0: what's the story guys welcome to what happens here las vegas's newest sports and entertainment program we got another podcast happening (laughs) thanks for joining us guys welcome to the podcast great to see you here how am i going to start let me let me start this off this is today when i started this podcast i literally wanted to talk to people that had really interesting stories that were indicative to things that I loved in life. Today, this one is no exception to the rule. It's been a controversial subject for decades and decades and decades. An elusive cryptid that has been avoided detection until now. He's referred to as the Yeti, the Skunk Ape, the Chinese wild man. You may know him as Bigfoot. The native Indians call him Sasquatch. Today, we sit down with a man who spent more time in the field than any other living human being on earth, studying, photographing, filming, and get to knowing this elusive beast. But don't take it from me. Check this out. I've been able to see for the first time, uh, some complete segments of Todd Standings filming of Sasquatches in another, in another area where he's worked on and with him explaining the background, which is so important. And, uh. I'm firmly convinced that he has filmed Sasquatches and that what he
1: has portrayed in his documentary are indeed very close portraits, in fact, of the Sasquatch face. Anybody who comes out in the field with me realizes in a very big hurry that this is the real deal and that's it, period. Real Bigfoot, real deal, pretty exciting stuff. There is a living, breathing, undiscovered primate currently residing in the forests of North America And I'm excited about its discovery. It's
0: amazing. Would you welcome to What Happens Here, Bigfoot Sasquatch researcher, the famous, the infamous Mr. Todd Standing. What's up, brother? Thanks for having me. Welcome to the show. Great to have you. I'm doing good. Where are you filming from right now, brother?
1: uh in a undisclosed location i i i i do expeditions to go look for bigfoot and uh, i always keep where i am at this time of year i don't want people to know when i'm out or when i'm back uh because people try to damage my research and follow me around and i have you know famous phds expeditioners that come from all over the world and if i have some twit trying to follow me around it uh it damages the expedition so i keep all that stuff uh quiet so it's like a la art bell coast to coast am yeah from somewhere in some unknown location unknown location who knows if i'm looking at sasquatch habitat or if i'm at home or if i'm in wherever so i keep that quiet for good reason
0: so the secrecy of the whole thing comes part and partial with studying this is that because you get a lot mm. of disbelievers or people that want to come in and fuck things up for you todd like what's the what's the reason behind the the secretiveness of these kind of expeditions
1: well, it was B, what you just said. People like to, like, I, I've i been on an expedition. People found out just, uh, it was a mistake that uh, one of my colleagues made, mentioned I was going on an expedition, I had a bunch of twits from another Bigfoot organization that were going to follow us around. And, uh, you know, it's because they know I'm having tremendous success. I have ridiculous amazing, I've worked with the best in the world. I invite out the best in the world, PhDs, Survivor Man. I've taken him out multiple times and had him live interact with a Sasquatch. You saw my documentary. Jeff Meldrum's the best in the world. He's a PhD uh, 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 professor from Idaho State University. You just saw John Bitterneagle, a PhD wildlife biologist, took him out, had him live interact with an eyewitness of Sasquatch. So, uh, you know, it's, I, I, need, I need privacy to keep this discovery moving forward. It's not really, you know, you know, what's sad about it, though, is I'll cooperate with anybody. You know, these, right. these, these are jealous, uh, difficult uh, boneheads that i that i deal with and and you know what's funny is that like as an example that first time they tried to come up and follow me around i was with a u.s army ranger and this like world famous athlete we looked at these you know out of shape guys i'll say that and i was like <laughs> you're not following us like we're really going back country the mountain and the ranger this is a ranger like this guy's trained to kill people right and he's yeah. like you i've come all the way from the united states to be here with todd Stang, and you've come to screw up my expedition he was right. like you know you know, he wanted to have a little chat with them out in the middle of nowhere. And I was like, there's no reason. We're just, we're all fit guys. We left them in the, you know, in the dirt and we, we do hardcore backcountry expeditions. And, uh, but even, even then I have a a trailer as base camp. People go through my trailer looking for footage, looking for evidence that I've gathered. So, uh, you know, but it's, it, it all comes about because the footage is real. I really do have incredible success with Sasquatch and, uh, and this is a discovery process. And, and with, with DNA footage, taking people out and showing them a Sasquatch, I don't know what the hell else I'm supposed to provide as evidence. The species is real. I mean, get over it. It's, they're real.
0: So, so let's just go back
1: a little bit, Todd. Like,
0: do you prefer to be called a researcher? Do you prefer to be called an expert on the species? And can you just, can you just give us a little quick, um, a little bit of your background? Where did it start? Why did you start and how it's got mm. to where it is?
1: Uh, Just just a researcher. There's no there's no uh, Sasquatch expert anywhere. Um, You know, we don't know. We mostly don't know anything about them. You know, I'm having uh, I'm having excellent success, but, uh, you know, it's it's certainly not enough. So there's no expert. I just do the best I can to research them. I I got into this to prove the species couldn't exist. I was a, a biology student at the University of Alberta, and I thought I could prove that there was no ecological niche a primate species to survive in north america and obviously right. i was wrong yeah so uh and my background that's really helped me out is i've always loved uh, the wilderness and nature and uh you you do uh you do mixed martial arts that's how i i, I hooked up with you i'm an original mma guy like back in the very beginning when hoist gracie and the gracies started the ufc i took my shidoshi who is michael Di pasquale who's been a judge he was the teacher of my teacher and we knew the first UFC was rigged. We knew that uh, it was rigged because we knew our, our discipline, jiu-jitsu, was going to whoop everybody's ass. We were excited yeah. about it. But uh, the, the, how that crosses over is just the, the calm and the serenity. And then even uh, it, it keeps me alive in the wilderness, moving around like a, like a lion. Like mixed martial arts teaches you uh, confidence. It teaches you how to be uh, strong. And and that's why I don't have troubles with bears and mountain lions because since I am confident and strong, that's what you know Muay Thai and Jiu Jitsu and wrestling taught me is uh, I move around like a predator and and now I'm out of danger because spending the amount of time I have in the backcountry, eventually you're going to get attacked and probably killed by a bear or a mountain lion or you know something's going to go wrong. <laughs> I like and, how calmly you that say trouble. that,
0: Todd. You say that so
1: calmly. Yeah. <laughs> well they they just look at me and the confidence and and calm and serenity that that I've learned from uh from studying martial arts uh really it gets me tremendous success and I think that the the sasquatch really appreciate that too cuz they're the dominant species out there and they're not going to they respect strength if you're weak if you're scared if you're 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 flighty and you're twitchy they're going to stay away from you so it's, it's, it's uh, garnered a huge part of what makes me uh, tremendously successful. So when you go out into the field,
0: what's the amount of time that you'll spend out there alone um, when you're researching these guys?
1: I try not to, I don't really need to go alone so much anymore. It's pretty, uh, maybe once or twice a year, I'll spend, uh, let's say seven days alone. I had to do it last year because I really, I was under a lot of pressure to get new evidence and new footage and uh, so I did have to spend uh, two seven-day trips alone, and uh, so and it worked. I got some decent new footage that uh, keeps this discovery moving forward. But generally, uh, I take people out with me that are uh, highly skilled, highly trained, or either even possibly trained by me. I have people that have been coming out on expedition with me for four years in a row, and uh, they have good skill sets. and And I work as a cooperation, and that uh, you know that makes that makes me move forward and be much more successful. Cooperation is very powerful.
0: So the difference between you and a lot of these other researchers is, um, you take out professionals from the field, anthropologists, people, PhDs, people that are, um, Mm. familiar with dermal ridging on, on, from, from, uh, primates. Can you answer me this question? There is so many experts claiming and stating that this is a real species why is it still such a controversial subject where people think that it's a joke
1: uh well because there are people there are people that make a joke out of it and uh there are people that have been frauds and and hoaxers and uh you know i get put into that category but i i, I appreciate there's there's a lot of excellent researchers out there doing fantastic work and uh i help them i cooperate with people as much as i can uh, you'll you'll find that the haters started hating me i was willing to cooperate with everybody right from the beginning i don't want to you know cooperation is powerful and uh but people people seem to want to compete there's no competition going on there there's no if you had a best bigfoot researcher competition that wouldn't show up i don't i don't ever claim to be i mean even that's just an arrogant thing to say i'm the best like no i don't think that i'm different and i have my own style potentially but i'll even change that i just i just want to do whatever it takes to, to to make this discovery happen and be moral about it and you know not not go to war with this peaceful primate species which which would be foolish because you know what i tell people now these these hunters and these dumbasses that want to go shoot them I'll, I'll tell you it's like it's like putting a five-year-old in the ring with john jones you're not going to win there's you have no hope and i'm tr- i'm using that example to really get people like you go out there with a gun people think pe- Human beings are so tough and they're so good with a gun. You take on a giant primate species like this, you're, you're going into their home. They've lived there for tens of thousands of years. They know every rock and nook and cranny, and they move together as a cooperation. They're fast and powerful. They hunt every single day. They never leave the wilderness. They know what the squirrels are doing. They know how the wind's going to blow. They're going to annihilate you. Like it's, it's pathetic to think that these hunters can go in there and shoot one. As much as I know about them, as much skill as I have in the wilderness, if I would ever attempt that, I would die. I would never come back. You go to war with this species and there's, there's so many, there's so many levels above us. Like the old Indians, the greatest trackers that ever lived, the old Apaches and even the Cree elders in here in North and Canada that teach me, they're the greatest trackers that ever lived. They would never mess with the Sasquatch. They they'll tell you right. The moment you decide to go take on a Sasquatch, this is this is universal through through uh, Native Americans and First Native people. They'll tell you you're going to take your last breath. You won't you won't hold a candle to these guys. They'll throw boulders that are 150 pounds accurately over 200 yards from an uphill position. You know they'll they'll have you looking left and one will kill you from the right. It's you don't verse this species. It's totally the more I learn about them about how amazing they are and how easily they survive in this in these harsh environments. It's, it's absolutely, per, infinitely preposterous to think that a human being is going to go, I mean, even guns, guns don't fire more than, like you get snipers that shoot, what, uh, at 1,500 yards is an incredible shot? You're never going to get within 50, they're going to see you miles away. And, and to, to evade a Sasquatch, you're going to have to evade the squirrels, the birds, the deer, everything, every sound, every smell you make, the Sasquatch interpret that because they're the apex species out there. And I try to express that to people. You're dealing with the greatest wilderness expert of all time. The, the, old, the old Americans that wanted Geronimo dead, the good hunting and tracking Americans that were in the, the old uh, armies, they, it was so pathetic when they were trying to hunt Geronimo. Geronimo had no trouble. In fact, the armies that were hunting him, he was stealing their guns and their food. And he was glad they were hunting him because he was using them to survive. Right. You know, that's how... Yeah. That's how pathetic it was. And Geronimo would tell you, I could never take on a Sasquatch. So, mm. you know, you understand the levels we're dealing with here. It's, right. it's ridiculous.
0: I mean, when you say that you're not the best, but you probably have some of the most um, controversial yet um, amazing mm. footage. What is the difference, Todd, that mm. gives you the opportunity to be get be able to get so close to these creatures that as you said will kill you as quick as looking at you what is the difference between you and everybody else in the world that's been trying to find them How, do, do they know you do they sense you are you mm. part of their tribe like yeah. uh, can you explain that to me
1: yeah the difference is i work with the best primatologists in the world i'm mentored by them i work with the best trackers the uh, the cree the northern cree indians here in alberta are my teachers they you know i use science from jeff meldrum and john berniegel i have survivor man yeah himself who mentored and trained me. So the difference is I, I have amazing teachers that, you know, give me little tidbits of information and, and, and I'm out there. I I am boots on the ground. And what I do is extremely dangerous. You know, I I don't recommend anybody do this stuff. You, you will get, there are big predators out there. And every day I tell people every day, a mountain lion or a bear will pick up our scent, get our wind gauge, and they will decide whether to hunt and come and kill us or not. Right. We are, we're in their home, in their habitat, and I adhere to and follow rules. Even, even like, does it, does it dumbfound you that we always knew, always known, there's the legends of these incredible trackers. How come they've never used trackers for search and rescue? How re- You want to hear me swear? How fucking stupid is that? Yeah, no, these are no, the I best agree. trackers in the world. And, and even here, like, people go missing in Canada, and they have these Indians that are trackers that will find them no problem. And the search and rescue people that have all the money and get all the funding go well they're going to have to take our course they're going to have to do grid searching and, and the native guy looks at him and goes can i just go find them because he will yep. and yep. they refuse to do that and you know that's that's and, and that's people that don't go and learn from those natives like my my teacher who was the most incredible wilderness expert i couldn't believe the stuff he was a legend and people, other people, would look at him and go, "He looks like a dirty old Indian. His teeth are all funny, and he's got a funny face, and he's not handsome, and he's not muscular." That dude will freaking his endurance and his ability to survive in the most extreme conditions was just unreal, unheard yeah. of. And and I I was grateful and honored that he took me on as a teacher. So it's it's you know looking past maybe outer appearances and. You know, and just uh, and just opening your mind to even what Jeff Meldrum has taught me. Jeff Meldrum doesn't know. Jeff Meldrum is, uh, that again, that PhD in my documentary. He's probably the most famous uh, Sasquatch researcher in the world, uh, and rightly so. He's an absolutely wonderful man, a complete gentleman. He has no idea all the amazing things that he's taught me. I, I take him out on expedition, and I keep him safe, and I guide him, and I showed him a Sasquatch in three days, but... And, and he, you know, everybody thinks, well, you did that for him. You did no Jeff taught me so much. It was just Mm -hmm. amazing. What a brilliant, amazing man. I mean, I would, I would, I would go home and I would secretly at night take notes about the things that Jeff was teaching me right and I still have them. And, and it's because I, I take advantage of everything and, and, and I, and I, I move every millimeter and I'm, I'm committed to even, I knew in the beginning I was risking my life. There were days where I laid down to die. I quit. I couldn't do it. You know, I've come so close to to not surviving so many times, and I don't think most people are willing to make that risk. And I am.
0: Well, see, there's a lot of people that maybe haven't seen your documentary that don't know a little bit. Can we can we go to the clip, the docu- the documentary trailer? Can we just go to that clip real quick? Because I just want everyone to check this out real quick. This is a this is a trailer from Todd Standings' first documentary um, about discovering this creature. And I just want you guys just to take a look at this real quick and just tell me how you feel. Roll the clip, brother.
1: bit of battery power in my camera, I was able to film these incredible images in full HD at 50 times optical zoom.
0: Now, for any of you that have seen that documentary, the last part of that clip there, you can hear Todd terrifyingly screaming, get out of here, get out of here. This was a, this was a part of the documentary where he's was surrounded by, I believe it was four or five large male Bigfoots, uh, to the extent where they were throwing boulders and large trees at him. Todd, you can really hear the terror in your voice. Can you just talk about that moment? Because that even gives me chills listening to that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I block it out of my head when I hear it. Uh, wow, like I, I can even, hear it uh, in your I don't voice, know what man. Thinking about that day, because it, it's it's one bad day what, they. Wh- yeah, uh, just wh- honestly, I just it, they weren't they they weren't trying. It was ultimately it was me being ignorant. Uh, they were trying to get me back into the wilderness to do a uh, uh, a spiritual animal ritual that I wanted, and they weren't able to communicate with that that to me properly when you're when you're dealing with big giant primates that are you know they smack they just their play fighting would would tear a human being limb from limb they're incredible like you know they're twice the size of gorillas and twice as strong you know they were they were tearing trees out of the ground that day and but they weren't harming me and they were just there was a purpose for what they were doing and later on i learned what that purpose was but also too you have to understand i'd been uh that was the end of my expedition i was sleeping about two hours a day i was not eating I stopped eating for about four days, hiking to the mountains, high altitude, you know, and, and being alone for all that time. I think I was probably on my uh, sixth day all by myself in the wilderness and dealing with Sasquatch nightly wow. so three days in, I got footage. And then wow. for three days out, they were tormenting me, uh, every day and all, all the time. And that was just like, and especially what re- really ticked me off was I was, I was basically about, uh, half a mile from the road where, where my, my, uh, going to come pick me up the next day. And it's like, they were pushing me back in the bush. They never did that before. They've never pushed me in. They always pushed me out. So, and that's why, you know, I'd even, I was screaming, what do you want from me? Like, what, what do you expect me to do? Why are you pushing me back into the wilderness? You're always pushing me out. And, uh, but they had a purpose. And it's just really, to me, it's, it's just an ignorant man that didn't understand what these brilliant uh, beings were trying to educate me on. And, uh, yeah, and so, you know, and and a lot of people think, you know, go out in the wilderness and spend uh, six days and nights all by yourself, you know, knowing that there are bears and all the dangerous stuff that are out in the wilderness. You can't really, you can't have a deep sleep because you'll die. You'll wake up with something eating you. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to survive out there. Just normal people are never going to get it. And, uh, the, the only way I could teach somebody is I, if I took somebody and threw them up on a mountain for three days, You just stay here and I'll come back and get you in three days. Survival man, I tell you after, after the second day, you start to get a little like it's silent. There's nothing out there. There's no, you, you can hear a, a squirrel fart. I mean, it's dead silent. Every sound means something. And you never know if that scratching over there is, you know, a bear approaching you or a, a gopher or a marmot or, you know, a, a rabbit comes hopping along and makes a scratch sound. Is that a mountain lion yeah. or is that a rabbit around the corner? You know what I mean? And you, you better damn well pay attention because 95% of the time it is a rabbit or a, a marmot or a, something, a pica doing something stupid. But that 5% of the time it is going to be a predator. And there's just, there's so much going on when you're by yourself and, and not eating I have to stop eating because when I'm, when I'm in that ghillie suit mode to to sneak up on the Sasquatch, I can't be defecating and urinating. You can't. So when you put your body through that kind of torment, Mm -hmm. you're not sleeping, you're, you're, you're grinding up mountains, hiking, you're fighting to stay awake and then you're not eating as well all by yourself. It really, uh, it taxes your, your psyche. And that's why, that's why Rangers and Navy seals do that brutal training that, that training, a good ranger or a good Navy SEAL, that's bare minimum shit. That's yeah. the minimum suffering you need to know. You need to know that you're going to get yourself through because in real life, you'll suffer till you die. You won't make it back at times. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's appropriate training. If I, did, if I was training people for doing what I would do, they would do Navy SEAL twice. You know, like right. you got to be, you got to bleed. You got to know you're going to get through this. You have to have un. Your will has to be unbreakable. You have to be a damn machine in ways that normal people will never understand. I'm shaking. I'm even cold. I was hypothermic. And, you know, my body's not able. When you stop eating, you can't generate heat. I'm losing Mm -hmm. weight. My body's consuming its own muscle, which is very toxifying, not sleeping, and, uh, you know, and cold. You know, you're just not rational. I went to go put my – when I was done with that expedition, I went to try to put – uh, a key in, in a truck and I couldn't get it in. I was like, what's the matter with me? My hand was just shaking and I didn't yeah. it didn't it didn't compute in my head. Why is my hand shaking so bad? Oh, it's because you're blue dummy because you're and it wasn't even that it was cold It just if you lose a half a degree of body temperature every day for seven days By the end of it, you're blue and it came on so slowly that you didn't even notice So I could go on all day about the, the suffering. and the I, I was bleeding. I was damaged. I did have a wound, you know Uh, So my boot was all full of blood and caked up and, you know, it was, uh, it's, it's really hard. And uh, so, but I I hate listening to that thing. I, I've learned to actually just block it out of my head and let people listen to that. I know it's, it's entertaining for the movie people and stuff, but uh, I hate that day and uh, put it behind me. Well,
0: one thing that day shows Todd is how huge your big Canadian balls are for one. And the second (laughs) thing that it shows is that why would someone put themselves through all this pain, suffering and torture, if they were just trying to make a hoax or trying to make some money off something, it doesn't make mm. sense. Why? I mean, you've been doing this a no. long time. How, how, how long have you been doing this Todd? How long have you been doing this? How long's Bigfoot been the research in oh, party life?
1: 2005 right. is okay. when see, I really, re- I, I've, yeah, it's a long time.
0: Yeah. Well, see, see, listen guys, people don't, People don't study something and make it part of their life for that long if they don't believe yeah. that everything they're doing is for a purpose. Now, initially, Todd's purpose was to discover the, um, the, the, the that this species was alive, but also was to protect the species. Now, Todd, can you explain a little bit yeah. about the, um, the the problems that you had with the Canadian um, with the Canadian wildlife in trying to make the Sasquatch a protected species so no one can fucking kill it? <coughs> that didn't go down too yeah. well either, right? Well, I-
1: in, in the beginning, I was concerned about people hunting them. Now, like I said, you can't go ahead and try to hunt them. You're a dumbass. You're going to die. No one's ever going to see your body again. You'll disappear. So go ahead and give it a shot. If you're going to give that a shot, please contact me and I'll convince you the 100 reasons why not to. And anybody with common sense will sit down and get that. But <clears throat> I, wanted them, I wanted them more acknowledged because when we, when we dam up the salmon from going upriver, they lose a food source. When we... Uh, When we move into a territory and log it all and then put houses in, they lose land. And loss of habitat equals loss of life. And they're clearly being pushed back. So that was uh, always one of my primary things. And today it still is. So the Canadian government originally was very good with me. They told me, bring back a significant piece of a recently deceased body, and we'll give you that acknowledgement and protection of the species. We'll put them on the endangered species list. In the United States, though, they already have protection in Skamania, Washington. You can't, it's a $50,000 fine to kill a Sasquatch. And in a place called Whatcom, it's completely illegal to kill a Sasquatch. So Washington State has done an, an amazing, an amazing, incredible job. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of that. And, and I, I want protection in the U.S. too. I worked towards a, a California... Uh, lawsuit to i'm going to sue fish and wildlife in canada and the united states for not recognizing this species when i go to court and i prove the species is real and i and and if they they are a wildlife species and it's wildlife's fish and wildlife's job to protect all the indigenous species if they're not doing their job they're derelict in their duty so that's what the the newest things so you're talking about the species protection was in 2008 approximately the newest court cases are to sue fish and wildlife with the goal of not money. The goal is you jerks come out with me for three months and I'll prove a Sasquatch is real. So we do a three month ecological survey where I will prove Sasquatch is real to fish and wildlife officers. That's all I ever wanted. Like, forget yeah. about all the other drama and crap. When a man says, I didn't, all I want to do is show fish and wildlife this species is real. I take people out and show them a Sasquatch. I did it with Jeff Meldrum. I did it with Survivor Man. I've done it with dozens of other people. And I did that in seven days. If I did a real ecological survey with wildlife officers, I w- this discovery would be over. You must understand. I- that's the first place I ever went in 2006 before I ever did media. I went to Fish and Wildlife and said, you see this video footage? Don't take my word for it. Come out with me and I will show you a Sasquatch. And they say no. So where do you go from there? It's got to be such a
0: frustrating uh- you know, business to be in when you know that something's true. People know that it's true worldwide, but you can't get people to believe it, even though you've got this incredible, amazing footage. Now, with that footage that you have, it's probably one of the only HD color sightings, close up sightings of a Sasquatch that's not the normal way that you see videos of Sasquatch in the background, a little blurry, people that are shaking it around. You actually mm. got some clear right. footage of the, even better. Than the Patterson Gimlin footage. Can we can we just roll that Patterson gimlin footage real quick? We can we can we can talk in the background here, um, Todd, so you can let us know what you think. Now, this is obviously going going back 30, 40 years. Um, is this very similar 1967, to what you, yeah. 1967. Now, is this similar to what you see when you're out on yeah. the field? Um, this one seems to be out in the open and she seems to be walking around quite freely. Yeah. Um, is, is this very similar yeah. to what you see when you're out there?
1: Exactly. That's that's a real Sasquatch. That's a real Sasquatch. Uh, there's no way those guys faked it. I think, I think the evidence of this film is the greatest piece of evidence of Sasquatch because the substrate that she's walking on left beautiful tracks that showed most importantly a mid-tarsal joint in the foot which we didn't even know existed in nature until somebody discovered it in chimpanzees in the 80s. So how did a couple of cowboys, first of all, this and everything, I actually just a few years ago on Expedition uh, a female Sasquatch came down to a structure where we were gifting them apples. Took a bite out of an apple, and then I started to track her up a hill. And I, I actually, for the first time in my life, legitimately, I took my glasses off and rubbed my eyes because what I saw was the Patterson footage, almost identical. I saw a female Sasquatch walk from left to right. She was, she was moaning. She was going, she was ticked off that I was following her tracks. She knows I'm a tracker. She knows that I was going to follow her trackway back up and, and find her. So she said, screw it. I'm going to come out and I'm going to be ticked off at you. And she was saying, stop following my tracks. But it literally, as she walked past the first time, I literally went like this. I just rubbed my eyes and I went, I looked at the expedition I was with. I go, that's the Patterson footage. We just saw the exact female, the exact breasts, the exact size. I actually, I actually wanted to, uh, I measured her tracks and I wanted to compare them to the precise size of the tracks from that 1967 footage shot in Northern California. Cause I betcha she was identical her foot would match. So, and that's, that was in Northern Alberta for God's sake. So uh, yeah. I'm so, and I met Bob Gimlin, interviewed him. And there is a level of expertise I have with interviewing people, talking about the wilderness. Bob Gimlin, it's called the Patterson Gimlin footage. I never met Patterson because he died long before I ever got into this. But I met Bob Gimlin. He's, he's a hero. He's a wonderful, yeah. honest, just a, a, one of these Americans that just reeks of integrity and honor. Like he's such a wonderful man. He would never lie or deceive. That's a real Sasquatch. And when he met me, he saw people were trying to turn him against me because it's all this conniving in this Bigfoot community crap. He saw my footage and he looked at it. And he came up to me and he, he asked me if he could stand on the table. I was at a seminar for Sasquatch. He stood up on the table and said, I've seen a Sasquatch and this footage is a Sasquatch. That's what right. they look like. And nobody's going to tell me otherwise. And then he said. Todd, I want you to know something. Everybody's trying to turn me against you, trying to make me hate on you and, and say your stuff isn't real. He goes, you know what, Todd? You were me 30 years ago. He said, today they're giving me that they gave me this uh, honor, honorary medal for, for a lifetime achievement for Bigfoot. He said, in 20 years, they're going to give you one. And all you're going to be kissing is ass because I was hated in the beginning. And eventually you realize the truth. And that's what's going to happen to this man. And he shook my hand. And then I had uh, dinner with him. And, uh, you know, so I I feel uh, like I'm 99.9% convinced that footage is absolutely authentic. Even, even there's just no way you could fake that. And the fact that it came with tracks, you can't understand how hard it is for, to, to get a Sasquatch to walk on substrate that's not too soft, not too hard, not too wet, not too dry, that leaves good tracks. She did that, that female. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've never been able to get a video that, Corresponds with tracks, so right? Yep. That's so, that you, is so great. Do you think
0: that um, like obviously the sasquatch is a breed of animal slash mm. cryptid slash Gigantopithecus mm. slash <laughs> sentient mm. being do you think that that mm. was the same female sasquatch from from that Patterson footage or did, how long do these things live? Uh do you, How long do you think they live for are they? You know, is it just like the normal age of a of a gorilla or a human? What do you think yeah, their yeah, age no, limited?
1: what? Yeah, well, they they live in the wilderness so that, you know, it's only the strong survive. You can't uh, winters are harsh where I live. so and dentition when your teeth rot out, how do you continue on? They don't have dentists. So I just I, I base that, you know, around forty, fifty at the at the oldest, I would think, because again, life is so hard. And it would be different, maybe, in Texas than it would up here in Canada. Cause you know, it's without the, the harsh winters are brutal, man. Yeah. Winter will kick your ass. You know, yeah. we get minus 40 out here. It wears on you. Like, you know, my native teacher, he, he survived out in winters a lot and it, it showed on his face. Like he was weathered and, and, and it, it was harsh. So it's going to be different in different climates, but I would never say even, you know, like 60 years old would really be pushing it. You know, there are people that say preposterous things that live 200 years and stuff like that. But that's that's not good science. And uh, those theories just don't hold any kind of water. They're, They're they're not they're not some mythical, you know, ghost thing. And they're even they're a hominid species. The DNA that I've gathered shows that. They're a yeah. they're more advanced hominid than us, and that so actually makes sense. Human, they, hum, they they're just, more
0: advanced human than, than, than um, primate.
1: Yeah, well, they're a more advanced hominid than us. Right. They're further down the hominid chain, and when you think about it, if I took Survivor Man, one of the greatest survival experts in the whole world, and I threw him out in the middle of the harshest environments and said, don't use technology and survive for five years. he's probably going to be dead in two months, three months, right. five months. He's not going to live. If you take a Sasquatch and make that same thing, you're going to come back in five years, and he's going to be fat. He's going to be calm and fat, got his feet up, head behind. You know what I mean? No problem. So, who is the better survivalist? Who is who is the more advanced, more evolved species? If you take our technology away from us, we're nothing. Yeah, that's a great way of thinking uh, of it. Actually, we're the most advanced, uh, technologically advanced species by far by far but they're the most advanced natural nature uh equilibrium species they you know they live and die based on survival of the fittest and that makes them that makes them strong dude we don't have survival of the fittest anymore if you know about domestication syndrome we've been horrifically domesticated we're fatter lazier dumber that's what happens when you domesticate and the sasquatch have none of that if you're not strong if you don't kick ass if you can't Make it through the first winter. When you're born, you're born in the spring out here because you need to fatten up and get tough. Because when winter comes, if you are not extremely tough, you will not survive the four months of harsh, brutal—you know—the cold, the lack of yeah. food, the the brutalities that winter brings. And that makes for a strong, intelligent, powerful species. And we are not that anymore. I make no apologies for it.
0: Well, I mean, if anyone's ever been to Canada in the winter time, then you will know exactly what's. Todd is talking about. So for these species to live Mm. primarily in North America, Canada, Washington, I mean, as far, even, even in California, even all the way over to Australia, we have a species called the Yowie, which is very, very similar um, to the Sasquatch. Probably just a, you know, just another realm of who they are. Subspecies. Another subspecies of the Sasquatch, which is why the day watchers look a little bit different to the, the big guys like Jake and the big black guy Mm. that you filmed. So do you think that there's different, You know there's different races of humans Do you think there's maybe different races of Sasquatch as well If race well, is the white When you put it that way with the Yowie and a- the Yeti Yep Yeah
1: yeah, Absolutely And the, the Yowie, the Yowie's real the, uh, I, 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 I met with uh, I spoke with some uh, aboriginals Australian aboriginals from the Blue Mountains Called the Darnum Junk Tribe The Yowie's real if you don't yeah. if you don't shut your mouth and listen to the best indigenous experts in the world the aboriginals that have been there for uh, who knows how long millions and, of uh, years if you don't they're the best trackers they're incredibly and they they don't think the yaoi is real they've named it they know it's real they tell you what happens when a yowie comes around they've asked me i had a i had a uh, an elder asked me to come down and that he needed my help with the yowie and stuff and uh you know i was really honored to to, to have him say that to me but in truth uh switching terrains and going into a new ecosystem i'm a tracker but it takes so much to learn about all the new animals and species and the weather patterns and it's it's so much stuff uh i, th- I think it was a uh, spiritually it was enormous uh compliment to me for him to say that i could come down there and, and make a difference and do something but uh diff- when you put it yeah there's there's, there's definitely going to be the yaoi the yeti the yarin there's even uh in africa they have a a, a sasquatch it's it's It's, it's extremely impressive how many subspecies there are. And clearly like the Yeti and the Yowie are going to be very, very different in race, different size, the Yowie. And even, even biologically when it's hotter, there's more of the species, but they're smaller. And that's what it shows with the Yowie. There's more of them. They're smaller. And when a species becomes smaller and more prevalent, they become more aggressive. And that's what the Yowie is by all accounts of it. So, even, even what we know about biology adds up brilliantly. So it's, it's, it's it, when, th- when, when components are adding up, when, yeah. when the little bits of evidence are adding up, and they all point in the exact same direction, mm. it points to a fact. It points to a truth. And there's so yeah. much evidence. You really have to be – I mean, with the dermal ridges, the DNA, the eyewitness accountings, and you got a man like me out there saying, don't take my word for it. I don't care who you are. Yeah. I take people out, and I show you a Sasquatch what yeah. the hell else we've already accepted species based on dna why don't we do that with sasquatch we have dna so it's 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 very bothersome to me
0: so as far as a lot of people that talk about the sasquatch when they say that they know that he or her is around there's a distinctive smell um mm. i haven't really heard you talk about mm. the smell too much todd can, can you elaborate on that a little bit no uh well
1: this the, when there's a smell that means they're they're ticked off at you gorillas when they get angry they'll literally Drops of urine will be excreted from their pores, and the Sasquatch do the same. And there's two different kinds of smells. There's the acute, like a sweeter smell when the Sasquatch is really upset with you right now. And then there's that older, sour kind of smell that's when they're, they've been stinky for a long time, and it's probably they're running around looking for females or for mates. But I don't have much experience with that because they're not really ticked off at me very much. The few times I've, I've had that smell... It was a very bad situation. It was time for me to go. When a Sasquatch is angry at you to the point where he's projecting the odor, his pores are open and he's hostile. You, you could die. It's they're right. giant primates. They'll rip your limb from limb. They'll tear you apart. So, um, and, and you must understand things like people that I've, I've known that have had encounters like that. The, the things that they understand that they live in that are first nature to them, like the wind gauge the guy calls me and says, well, I smelled the Sasquatch. Yeah. He was downwind. He purposely got to that position so you could smell him. And he was letting you know. It's like a punch in the face. It's like, hey, I'm here. Smell me. Get it. I'm upset. Yeah. So it's, it's them and they're trying to communicate things with us. And so for me, those are, those are gauges as to what has been transpiring and what they're trying to communicate with us. And uh, thankfully, I'd say, honestly, 95% of the time I have encounters with Sasquatch, no smell at all. Bears don't smell. Mountain lions don't smell. Predators don't smell. If they ran around stinking all the time, it would yeah. be a, a huge disadvantage for them. And they're, they're hygienic and clean. So I've, been, I've had Sasquatch put hands on me and, and not have any smells. That day when there were four Sasquatch running around, when I was screaming, panicking like that, um, there was no sm- smell at all. <coughs> so they were owning that situation. And they weren't afraid of me. They weren't angry. They were purposely trying to do something with me and teach me something. And, uh, you know, so it, the smell wasn't the case at all. And I know so the this, smell. It's very gorilla-like.
0: Yeah. Oh, so this is the question that comes to mind. Like a lot of people are going to de- debate this and say, look, if this is an mm. animal, why would he bother mm. smelling to let you know he's pissed off? Why would he just come and kill you right then and there? Or is there some kind of a, mm. I don't want to say relationship between human and Sasquatch, or is there some kind of understanding maybe between us species? I'm not sure.
1: Well, you know, the problem is the Sasquatch don't realize how stupid and how deceitful we are. And I say that because one Sasquatch, if I could, if I could sit down with a Sasquatch and talk to him, he'd say to me, well, I showed myself to three people this year. They must know we're real. And then I'd have to tell the Sasquatch, actually, we lie to each other so much. We're so deceitful amongst ourselves that when someone sees you and other people, they tell other people, they don't believe him. He's going to scratch his head and go, why do you lie to each other? Because they don't, they don't treat They're not like that. So when I, and then, and then a Sasquatch will leave signs and markings for people and the people will ignore it and think all those broken trees and those structures, oh, that's just natural. And the Sasquatch frown and go, that's clearly, I bent that tree around, twisted it, shoved another tree into it. You'd have to be a complete goddamn moron to think that happened naturally. And yet we do. So I don't think the Sasquatch realize how ignorant we are, how distrustful, how dishonest we are. And and that's a real problem in building a relationship amongst our species, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. Now, do you think that it's as time goes on and there's more and more sightings, there's more and more footage being captured, do you think people are starting to believe a little bit more now that hang on a second, fuck, this thing might be actually true?
1: Well, the evidence, anybody that looks into the evidence, it's it's over. I mean, how do you I'm not I'm not in the basement cooking up DNA. And, and actually, the DNA discover, the question should be over because what people will say is I'm mixing chimpanzee and human DNA. And if you look at the scale, so if you watch my hand, so it goes orangutan, gorilla, chimpanzee, human being. And you know where Sasquatch is? Over here. So I can't be mixing uh, chimpanzee DNA with human DNA because I would get something in between. It's something else that can't be mixed. So if I'm mixing up DNA in a crock pot, which is preposterous and stupid to even think that, I'm not fooling geneticists, I wouldn't be able to add, I'd have to actually create a new species genetic sequence and then it doesn't make any sense. It's a new species, you know? Yeah. So the DNA should be, if I was in a court of law and I had, when the, if they ever let me into court, and the problem is, is the courts are so conservative and ridiculous. I couldn't get into trial because I needed to have Precedence. I needed to show the judge there was other reasons for, uh, for him to allow this to go to trial. So I've never gotten into trial because if I did, fish and, and Fish and Wildlife, they know, they, would, they told me, we'll spend a decade making sure this never goes to trial. We'll fight you we'll do, because they know if I went to trial, I would annihilate them with evidence. I would have. I could have a thousand of the most incredible men and women show up and testify they've eyewitnessed it I could have geneticists I could have the best fingerprint experts in the world show up and testify this is unhoaxable factual DNA these dermal ridges are from a real indigenous living creature that can't be hoaxed when you have the best of every piece of evidence how could you still sit back and it's laughable and and, yeah. and that's again what the problem with Sasquatch is is how could you not know us that thousands of people hundreds of thousands of people have seen us and still you deny our existence. Well, so, I think
0: that's because the Sasquatches are the experts in social distancing. They have been for it for decades and decades <laughs> and decades now. So now they're just thinking, yeah, fuck. Yeah. If these people don't understand what's going on here, then fuck it. We're just we're just gonna step back. Now, listen, your documentary right. was the highest uh selling documentary on Netflix, which is one of the top platforms when it comes to media, when it comes to movies, when it comes yes. to TV shows. <laughs> Todd, I hear a rumor. Is there a second movie coming out?
1: Yeah. What well, the, the problem? The problem is, I just uh, uh, I'm having some uh, just personal family issues that have slowed down part two. But there's part two, part three, part four. I'm never going away. There's, you know, I'll I'll be doing these documentaries for the rest of my life, and I, I'm the one that makes them. I direct them, produce them, write them, edit them, put the yep. sound in, do the after yep. effects, then turn it yep. in. And there's not, you know, there's not really profit in it because it's it's so much work it costs so much time and money and then the the distribution companies you know it's not it's not a it's not a business where you can viably make money or profit so but but it's it's something that I'm very uh, passionate about because now there are people out there that have seen Sasquatch and get ridiculed for it and they can watch my documentary and they can damn well know that survivor man believes you Jeff Meldrum PhD believes you Todd standing believes you I get calls and emails Every day from people saying, I saw a Sasquatch. It looked just like yours. I showed my family, and now they can kiss my ass. They're not mocking me anymore because it's, it's out there. And there's also people that want to do research. They can learn from that film about tree breaks and structures and how to gift them and tracking. And so if, if, if I don't make the discovery, it sure would be nice if somebody else would because there is no ego with the people that I work with. We just want the discovery done. That's all we ever wanted It's just proof and discovery to happen, so the discovering Bigfoot movie is out there to help facilitate the discovery process of Sasquatch moving forward and and that's why there will be part two and part three and and the YouTube channels and uh, I'll I, I'll continue to take people on expeditions and do TV shows uh, Because I want this discovery done. I, and I and I want it done where there's like Universities with climatologists not going to Africa. They can stay right here in North America study this magnificent species and even even in wilderness is the preservation of the world there's perfect equilibrium there and we're living like a virus right now where we consume and destroy and we take too much and we don't give back yeah. and the Sasquatch can help the environment help you learn about even even their spiritual connection to nature that we've lost so much that's what a lot of the expeditioners that I take out really come out for and and you get it and you learn about it and it it frees you because we have a wildness in us and uh and there's no outlet you get you get people like uh the uh the diaz brothers those kids are wild and yet they're taking marijuana and they're the some of the greatest fighters in the world the problem with those kids is they're wild and they they want to be wild and they live in in a a cement you know jungle and they and you know and I, i feel bad because those boys, if, I, if if when they were young, I could have mentored them and showed them about the wilderness and let them be free, they would have been so perfect and amazing. But no, we they use mixed martial arts. They become incredible, famous fighters, and they try to use their wilderness as best they can. But look at the Diaz brothers when you try to interview them. I want to do this goddamn interview. I just want to go fight because they're wild and yeah. And those are great people. They're just. And now we give all these medications for people and, and antidepressants because, hey, if you got wildness in you, that's wrong. We need to subdue that. We need to yeah. domesticate your ass. And it's bad because we're not – we can't domesticate zebras. You can't domesticate moose. You know, most wild animals can never be domesticated because they're wild. Leave them yeah. alone. Yeah. And we're doing that with people, and it's horrible. It breaks my heart. So the, the wilderness and the Sasquatch are my teachers, and they have set me free to, to learn more about myself and to be connected spiritually and emotionally and physically in ways that civilization just can't do.
0: It, we'll see. There you go. Look, look, and look, everybody has their opinion, guys. I mean, you can look at this man, you can look at his work. You can say this guy's a crackpot or this guy's, this guy's really onto something here. But what you got to do is you got to put it down to the facts. This man's been doing this for two, since 2005, every day of his life. He's not doing it for money. He's not doing it for fame. He's not doing it for anything else but to prove the existence of these species. Even though he has proved it, people still don't want to believe. What do you want to believe to see it? You want to see a dead body of a Sasquatch? Personally, I don't. I believe in what I see. I've been studying this and looking at this for a long, long time, and I kind of weigh up the evidence. There is too many people around the world. There is too many sightings. There is too much physical evidence. There may not be a, a Sasquatch body, but... There's a lot of there's a lot of species in the world that 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 you'll never find the dead body of a certain fish or a certain bird because that's just the way that nature is. I think that this is a time coming up where you know there's a lot more things going on with the world and the universe and uh, that has been in the last decade or so. There's being so many more um, things that are coming out that people didn't believe that we're starting to believe. You know, you've got the U.S. government coming out now stating that. They have been in contact with uh, alien life forms uh, for many, many years now. Mm. These things are all starting to happen. It's it's a change of the world. It's a change of the universe. Todd, I I just want to say to you, man, I think it's really awesome what you're doing. I think the fact that you're going out and doing this out of of your heart, out of what you believe, is something that people should take into note. Stop fucking saying straight away, it's not true, it's not bullshit. (laughs) Don't say it's not true and it's not bullshit until you've studied it and looked at it. And then if you still don't believe it, And fucking go out with this man for three or four days, and then we'll see if you believe it then. When's the next expedition going to be? Because I want to take myself and my engineer, Travis, with his little handheld to see if we can get some evidence with you, Todd. When can we come out there with you, brother? Because we would – I'm serious, man. We would love to come out.
1: Expeditions are now. Uh, I'm one week in, one week out on expeditions until the snow flies. Uh, I'm going to take a couple of months off december and january and then i'm going to start doing expeditions uh in the united states alabama uh washington florida is on my hit list so when there, when there's deep snow in canada and uh you got to leave species alone i'm going to go to the southern united states and uh so expeditions are just continuously ongoing uh, i'm going to keep fighting for this discovery covid has done that where my American, yeah. most of my expeditioners are from the united states And now they can't come to Canada, but Canadians can go to the U.S. So I just came back from Alabama. I was in New York state and we had a Sasquatch come within 40 yards of us. So, you know, it's, it's amazing. And the Adirondack mountains and the empire state, I couldn't believe it. So uh, there's so much to be done here and I'm, I'm, I'm garnering incredible success. It's, it's absolutely miraculous, but it's the people it's, it's the cooperation. It's the people uh, that, you know i would go to a spot where natives have been seeing indians and talking or have been seeing sasquatch for decades and i would go stand on their shoulders so you know uh the the secret of my success is just go be nice to people and cooperate and find like-minded individuals and go work with them stand on their shoulders and and teach them what you can and you know as as a cooperation we're powerful if we fight against each other it's it's weak and pathetic, and uh, yep. that's why I get success. There's no secret to it. I'm just nice, and and there's there's nothing special about me. Anybody can do what I do, you know. I just work hard and be determined, get passionate about something, and uh, and go fight for it, and and know you can do it. So uh, that's that's it. I, so I, they, I'm a human being. I don't even yep. I don't even like being called a Canadian. I'm just a person. Uh, I I my home is North America. I love the whole Pacific Northwest. Uh, in, from yeah. Oregon, California, Washington State, British Columbia, Alberta, Montana, all those states and provinces. That's, that's my home base. I know those animals. I know those lands really, really well. And uh, borders, borders and governments, they don't represent me. I'm, I'm free. And, uh, and that's, uh, that's my home terrain is that Pacific Northwest stuff where I'm really comfortable. But I, I love North America. It's a beautiful place. And uh, I feel like a North American.
0: Well, I've spent a little bit of time on Bowen Island, which is off Vancouver Island. And I had an amazing time there. I spent three months on yeah. Bowen Island. Absolutely loved it. So mm-hmm. so here's here's what's going to happen in the future, guys. What happens here? Marcus Deegan, we are going to plan this. We are going to we are going to go out on the field with Todd Standing. We are going to go out and we are going to see exactly what this is all about. We're going to put this forward. This is something that's going to be happening in 2021. So I want you to stay tuned for this. Todd, yes. if there's anything that you can say to everybody out there before we wrap this up, um, I know a lot of people are going to um, – criticize me for even doing this interview, but um, fuck it. This is so, I, don't, I don't really give a shit because this is something that I believe in, that I love, that I really wanted to know, and I've wanted to talk to you for a long time. We've been, in, we kind of been in touch kind of through the martial arts kind of side of things, and um, but is there anything else that you'd like to mm-hmm. say to anybody out there on, on a parting note, Todd?
1: Uh, ah, pressure, no, I just uh, you know, uh, cooperate, uh, take care of one another, you know, uh all this stuff, I, I feel like we're in it together, do your part, care about the environment, care about the planet. The the, the Sasquatch, to me, uh, I, I'm tremendously concerned about the environment. I see the horrible changes going on from the, the damage that mankind is doing. and uh, And that's, I can't make a difference. I'm just a small man, but the Sasquatch can. And I believe they will, when the discovery comes, that they'll make a difference and bring people back to love nature and appreciate it. And that's why that's the number one reason I'm passionate about this discovery is because like the Sasquatch, I love this beautiful planet. I adore the wilderness. And, and that's where the preservation of the whole world is, is that in equilibrium within nature. And let's get back to that. And, and the Sasquatch will help us with that.
0: You can't fake passion. You can't fake love. You can't fake Discovery. This man's putting it all into play, guys. So I really want you to be open-minded when it comes to this subject. Don't just push it down and squash it straight away. Get your research, look into it, find out, expand your mind. I mean, look, a lot of people say it's a hoax, it's a myth, but what if it really is true, guys? What if it really is? When it, when we when it comes out that me and Todd are going to go fuck you guys, you didn't believe it. No, I'm just joking. We're not going to do that. But we want you guys to come along on this journey and at least at least expand your mind. Todd, first of all, brother, I want to thank you very much for coming along to the show. We're going to have to check out a UFC event together one of these days, bro.
1: Oh, I would love that. I would totally love that.
0: Maybe when Connor's fighting again, we'll come down and we can. Uh, we can go down the front and Ooh, see how yeah. – so, yeah, imagine that. We'll get Connor out into the wilderness against my- one of those Sasquatches. I bet he get killed.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I got a lot of Irish in me, and my, my grandmother's name is Ireland, so I, – uh- I, I appreciate the fighting Irish. Uh, yeah,
0: that's it. <laughs> that's it. Well, listen guys, we yeah. want to thank Todd Stanley from Sylvanic Bigfoot for coming onto the show today. We're going to give you all of his information and we are going to be in touch with him because in the future, you may see what happens here out there on the field with Mr. Todd Stanley. Todd, thank you very much for coming along. How was your experience here today, brother?
1: I loved it. It was great. I, I, I like your attitude. I appreciate it. Uh, we try not to use too much profanity. Well done because children might be watching, but, uh, You got to have attitude. You got to have backbone. You got to, it doesn't matter what you do, how nerdy you are. You got to have fight. If you want to get things done, you're going to have to go fight. We all have our octagons. Close the door and uh, give it all you got. And at the end of the day, when your time is done, if you gave it a hundred percent, you win.
0: I love that. I love that. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd standing. Thank you, brother. Take care. Today's episode was sponsored by the most tasty, the most delectable coffee in Las Vegas. All the way on Durango, you can catch it right across the road from Ikea if you're buying a new bed for your mother. All you got to do is go into Founders Coffee and give the promo code WHH, you get 10% off your order. Also, Las Vegas' What Happens Here show is sponsored by... The Ultimate Fight Week Experience, that's happening next July. That's where you can come down and speak to some former and present UFC stars that will teach you in everything when it comes to that game. And, of course, last but certainly not least, baller bomb for when your beard needs to be money. This is Marcus Deegan from What Happens Here. Todd Stanley was in the episode. See you next time. (laughs)